0: Welcome to the Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgiev, class of 2022. Today, I catch up with Ryan Worthy, class of 2008, musician and music teacher. Today, Ryan will share with us how a sleepover at a buddy's house led to an all-night session playing Metallica's Enter Sandman and set into motion Ryan's love of guitar and performance. Be sure to click on the episode page so you can follow and support Ryan's music or search Ryan Worthy Music on Facebook. Joining us from the class of 2008, Ryan Worthy. Ryan, tell us what you do.
1: Hi. uh Hi. Uh, I'm a musician. I I teach music. I, I do side work where I can. And then, uh, mostly just play with my bands.
0: Now, Ryan, you, when did you have the music bug bite you? Like when, when, how, when, when did that happen?
1: When I was probably, it was summer of eighth grade going into freshman year. Uh, one of my friends played guitar a lot and, uh, I was over at his house and it it actually started the very first song I ever learned how to play was Enter Sandman, Metallica. That that was the song he was playing all night. <laughs> so he was playing the song on repeat and eventually I was like, hold on, that doesn't look too hard. You, you think you want to show me how to do that? And I learned it. And I was like so excited to go home and show my dad because he listened to Metallica. I was like, check this out.
0: So you learned Enter Sandman. In one evening, and that was the first time you basically picked up an electric guitar. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of repetition involved, but that's pretty impressive to, <laughs> it, to do it, that.
1: It, it, to clarify, not the entirety of the song. Like, oh, I yeah, got the course. main riff of it, and I was yeah, like, yeah. wow, I got the whole song. You know, like, what do you first do in the beginning when you're learning an instrument? Like, I got the whole thing down. It's just oh, that yeah, one yeah, yeah. That.
0: like one. <laughs> How soon after that did you then say, all right, I need to get myself a guitar? Like, what was the next step?
1: and actually like I had been playing a little bit of piano before that but I wasn't like super interested in piano honestly like it was mostly like I had one of those home keyboards you might have where it um has like one of those screens that shows you what buttons to press when you're trying to learn a song or something and I was learning some stuff from that and it was like enough that my parents were impressed enough where they were like well if you're interested in music we'll definitely help you get to whatever instrument you're interested in and after that experience with the guitar, I started leaning more towards guitar. And th- then from there, um, so I started taking some lessons, but I got my very first guitar. Uh, I, cause I used to use my brother's first act at that point. Cause that's what he, he had the guitar before I did. And I was like, Hey, like, I actually really like this instrument. And he was like, cool. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. So, <laughs> so it worked out pretty good in that regard. Um, and then I got my first real guitar uh, after a couple of years of taking, or actually probably like a year and a half in to, yeah, something like that. Uh, my old guitar instructor, he kind of gave me this advice that I, I stick to that I thought was good. He was like, uh, don't just buy something because you think it looks cool. Make sure you play every fret, make sure it sounds real good. And that advice came in handy right away because I went to a pawn shop when I got my very first guitar. And I saw this. Uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with many guitar brands, but there's a, a brand called BC Rich out there, and it, they're very pointy guitars. Like they're they're the kind of guitar that you have to like watch yourself with, <laughs> like because you <laughs> might poke yourself a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I saw one of those, fell in love with it, and I was like, I like this guitar. It had flames on it, so of course my teenage self was very impressed. Oh, okay. um,
0: <laughs> how, how flame decals,
1: was, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. the flame decals was all it took for me. Uh, and basically like, I, I played the guitar though, and a lot of the frets sounded really bad. So because I did my guitar teacher's advice, I ended up with the Fender Stratocaster I have right behind me now. And I've been playing that guitar ever since. And that one's a really good one. <laughs> that one, all the frets sounded good too.
0: Wow. So that, that, so that, that guitar has been with you, uh, the whole journey then more or less. That's amazing.
1: Yep. Yep. That's my parts caster.
0: <laughs> uh. I've heard this before that uh people who have been musicians and, and that they started with piano and it made guitar easier somehow. Like can you explain that, that how that looks on your end as a musician? Like the making that kind of the musical leap from piano and how it kind of makes it an, an easier bridge uh to guitar playing.
1: Um, my personal experience, I I didn't really Gain too much from the piano playing to guitar, because I was specifically just like picking out notes on Mm. a screen from it. So it wasn't like I was like traditionally learning piano or anything. And when you and I think what it is, is what it because whatever instrument you wind up picking up, you learn how to relate whatever the new instrument is to that one like in one way or another. Yeah, Even if yeah. it's like kind of like weird things you kind of pick up or nuances, it's just things that you end up being, like, oh, it makes my life easier when I'm trying to think of a guitar, what I would do on a guitar over to piano or vice versa. You know, <laughs> so uh, I, like for me, uh, like because like I, um, I do play bass and ukulele as well. And I think ukulele was a really uh, good example of this for me because when I was, when I made the realization with ukulele, it's literally the exact same tuning as your first four strings on the guitar, but you're capoed on your fifth fret. And from there you literally can use all your guitar shapes. And it was like, that was like a mind blowing epiphany where I was like, wow, oh, I can yeah. do it's a cool lot you, more on it, ukulele now.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. I think that's interesting. Like, you know, you've played, you always hear the amount of hours that it takes to get even competent at something. And you know, I've known you for my goodness, fifteen years, if if not more. Uh-oh. We're talking about <laughs> tens of thousands of, of of hours of you playing uh, guitar. Yeah, I, this is probably too early in your interview for like a, a like a philosophical, you know, type of question. Like that. But like, what's how how do you keep on finding more places to explore with this instrument that you have? been with so that you have struggled with and created with you know how do you keep on finding new ways to uh, surprise yourself with it
1: um it, like one way that i like to do that is by uh, experiencing new music um i have lots of friends in like fortunately because i do teach uh, guitar and bass and stuff it's uh one of those things where they'll constantly be bringing me bands i've never heard of And I'm like, Oh, that's a cool band. I'll look at more of their stuff. Or even if I'm not a huge fan of what somebody's bringing me, I still learn whatever they're throwing at me. So it's like, you still get the experience of that. Um, And so it always keeps it somewhat interesting or like sometimes like, it'll be a song where there's a very specific technique they'll use in it, but it'll be in a different way than I've ever really used it before. And then it's like, Oh wow, that's a cool new trick. I could put in my bag of tricks there.
0: So
1: Things like that just always kind of keep it um, interesting for me. Or if it's like um, playing with new people is always interesting as well. That's another way. Um, but another, I, I had a couple guitar teachers. Like, uh, And my other guitar teacher, he kind of was telling me like one of the most important things was to play as many people as he could. I, I was pretty young when he told me that. And I took that to mean, okay, go on Craigslist and join every band that will allow you to join <laughs> <laughs> and i i joined quite a few well i tried to join quite a few bands but the problem was i was like 19 and uh most bands were looking for someone that was at least 21 because they're playing a lot of bars oh, and yeah. i didn't even look like i was 19 like i looked <laughs> like i was probably like 15 or 16 <laughs> even with my beard grown out like they were yeah. like there's no way. And I was like, yeah, like you could try to get in bars, but I don't know if I'm going to help with
0: that. <laughs> uh, that. But that's part of the, I mean, that's part of the live music experience is that, you know, right. So you, you were blocked out of uh, that, that real experience just by, by the, the chronological crime of of uh, your age, not being able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I was, you were talking, I think that's such, such a cool, that seems like that's so true in so many different capacities but it seems to be so crystallized in that idea what you just said there about trying to interact with as many people as possible but you have the luxury of trying to do something so uniquely artistic uh, and how rewarding that must be to kind of find and build something new with someone musically that's just got to be just so special that you get to do that so frequently you said you kind of started with like Metallica And then what were some of the other earlier influences and when did you kind of first start kind of branching out into something that wasn't what you were used to and then kind of felt immediately rewarded because like, oh, that was different, but I liked it. And now I've actually stretched myself as an artist. Do you remember uh, what that was or what were your earlier influences? And then when did you start to branch out from that?
1: Um, so, like, kind of my earlier influences, I would probably lean more towards, like, stuff that my old guitar teacher, and, uh, like, showed me. Like, and he was, he was in, like, a reggae band. They actually still play to this day. They're called Dropped Once. Super great reggae band. Um, if you've never seen them, super awesome. I, I've seen <laughs> – I go out to see them fairly frequently because I, I really enjoy what they do. But they introduced me to a lot of bands, like – and, I mean, like, a lot of people know Sublime. But it'd be, like, Sublime or Dispatch. Or uh, the Dirty Heads, um, it's like bands like that. Bad Brains, uh, Three Eleven, and it's like stuff like that where I—that's at least where I started with a lot of stuff. Um, at least with playing, I was really into the reggae rock. And I, I think what really started getting me to branch out of that was just the the people I was playing with, more so than anything. Like, like I was listening to a lot of weird stuff too um at the time like in high school i was trying to get into weirder stuff so i guess I, I actually i would probably say that was probably what really got me started into like wanting to branch out of like the punk rock like heavy metal like kind of thing i would re- reggae rock i was okay. kind of into for a long time um but like bands like uh minus the bear was one that i really got into as tall as lions i could just name drop if you want to hear names <laughs> i know
0: it's yeah, I mean, I think that's that's interesting Like because, like, you know, you search for this music uh, and then sometimes the music finds you because of the people that you collaborate with uh, as well. So that's got to be really kind of refreshing to kind of have such new kind of musical stimulus uh, come to you uh, in that way. So you graduate from WeGo. And you have to make this kind of, you know, leap, you know, do I, do I want to be a musician or do I do something else? And so you, you took the leap and, you know, tell me about the decision about uh, becoming a musician uh, as your career path. Uh,
1: Well, so (laughs) uh, I, what really kind of like I I was always interested in music since I started playing guitar, but what really kind of made it, where I was going to try to make it part of why living and stuff was I I worked in a factory for a few years, uh, right after high school. At the same time, I was trying to do like early band stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I I had a good time working at the factory. I got a lot of great experiences out of it, but, um, I, I wound up having to leave from the factory. And when I left from the factory, it was one of those things where I, I was kind of figuring out what I liked. And I, generally i always had some kind of side work going on as well like for when i didn't have as many gigs going and back then i was still trying to build up like the the contacts trying to get like the the regular shows or the people so that you can like make some money doing stuff but um more or less like it i mean it wasn't like a hard decision because i just really really enjoyed it and the live show stuff was definitely my favorite thing like there was nothing quite like when you have a really good sh- or for me at least there's nothing quite like when you have a really good show it, like especially like it, a song that you've personally written when you watch somebody you don't recognize sing lyrics that you wrote it was like wow that th- those are like some of the coolest experiences I've had and it was just kind of not a hard ex- thing to choose because I was gonna play music either way I kind of figured it was just if i can make money doing it too that's even better and i've fortunately i've been fortunate enough to been able to make a little bit of a living off of that at this point
0: i think that thing what you just said there is got to be peak artistic you know bliss where you've created this thing it permeated you know the the music sphere And it comes back to you purely in the enjoyment of a fan that you never met before. I mean, that's just the best. I mean, that was, that's incredible. That I, that, that I I can't imagine a a better artistic feeling that because you, you know, how many painters never get to see someone look at what they make, you know, or, uh, or anything else. And you got to see that happen in real time. What, What a, what a gift. Let's talk about your creative process. So like you have, you know, you have, I guess, different hats that you can wear right where there's like ryan worthy what you make as yourself as a as a musician and then you have uh people who have been longtime collaborators with you uh, musically and then you said before that you like picking up gigs with other people and see how that stretches you i was wondering if you can maybe kind of categorize like what your creative experience like is in in each one of those um uh in each one of those lanes
1: uh, sure. Yeah. Like, uh, so I do a lot of solo stuff in like, are you talking more like songwriting or just like gigging wise? Oh yeah. Or- Answer
0: it any way you like. Yeah. Any, any way you like.
1: Um, so yeah, like, um, as far as like when I'm, that's how I do most of my songwriting is by myself. Like, um, like my band invisible cartoons is kind of a unique, um, case in the sense of like, we usually write songs together, where like we get together and like um, it'll usually start as an idea that we'll just start really flushing out at a practice and we'll eventually make a new song from that. Um, but most of my writing like happens while I'm sitting by myself in a room and it's just easier that way. Like I, there's a couple people that I found I've been able to write with like, but it, I find like a lot of times I'll be very hesitant to say lines out loud because I don't want somebody to like, be like, wow, what a stupid line that was. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like that, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. and even if the line really isn't that bad, it's like you have that that little bit of doubt in the back of your head. So it's like, Oh, maybe I'll just keep it to myself. Whereas when I by myself, there's no judgment like that. So I can just say the silly goopy stuff. And then I can just erase it later when it, I, it makes more sense what to put in that spot. Um, and then, like, in terms of, like, playing the gigs and stuff, like, the solo shows, um, uh, like, I've been getting a regular gig right now um, in Crystal Lake at a place called Cantina 52 that I really like. They always treat me really good out there. And uh, I <laughs> it is definitely different playing solo. Um, that was, like, something that I kind of started doing more recent well i say more recently because i've done like some solo stuff for years like at farmer's markets and stuff i think i've even met you at a farmer's market once or twice yeah for sure um but it's it's just different in the sense like where when i'm playing with a group i always have them to kind of bounce stuff off of right like where if i'm on stage and i'm like floundering in front of the audience in the sense of like trying to talk to them i'd be more awkward than i intend to be at le- usually if I have a bandmate there I can play it off a little bit better than solo and in more recent years I've gotten a lot better at doing the solo talking with people which was probably the hardest thing in the beginning like for me at least was like trying to get used to not having a band behind me while I'm playing trying to be confident in what I'm doing and then um, coming across very professionally as well um, and, and those are kind of things I strive for when I'm trying to play out is like I I always want people to have a good experience when they listen to me like sonically of course (laughs) but like also like in terms of like dealing with me I don't want anybody going back to like that Ryan Worthy was such a hard guy to deal with so it's like I I always have that and I, I do that kind of thoughts with my bands too but um and then in terms of playing with my bands like I was saying I usually have them to play off of and that's probably the most fun I have is when I'm playing with one of my original bands like, because I, I enjoy the music that we wrote a lot, and then, uh, like I was saying, like the, the experience I had had where it's like you write music, you watch somebody repeat this, the lyrics back to you, it's like a really cool feeling. Um, and then just also having, especially because like I'm such good friends with my bandmates, like I know some people where it's like their bands are just business, like they show up, they play the show, they don't even really like each other, but they don't know other people that can fill the spots <laughs> for their parts so they just keep getting back together and doing it because they're making money or however they've gotten together to make it work. But I, I just am genuinely, uh, blessed enough to have like people that I, I can not only rely on, but I genuinely enjoy the company of, um, and then in terms of the side gigs, like the, the, the get picked up for random stuff, like I, cause I've done all kinds of that too. Um, I played with, a country band um earlier this summer I, I think it was called bartlett fest or something like that mm. um that was really fun I, I really enjoyed those guys they were really cool um and that, that that's a little different too because i don't know these guys nearly as well so it's not like i i need to be it, and also <laughs> I, I didn't say this before but a lot of bands like i usually talk a lot like it, you could probably tell from how much i'm running on on these sentences but uh <laughs> i talk a lot like when i'm on stage Um, And when I'm playing with somebody else, I tend to make sure I'm more reserved because it's not my band or something. Right. So it's like a little bit of a different experience. If you catch me at a gig where I'm filling in for bass, uh, like at a jazz gig or at a country gig, like that one. um, Then if you see me with one of my original bands and not that I'm not having fun and I'll still jump around and you'll see me uh, like, (laughs) I I have multiple people tell me like, I smile more than most people they've ever met (laughs) when I'm playing on stage. Uh, I just really enjoy it, and it doesn't really matter who I'm playing with. Like, um, I I just really enjoy being in front of crowds and playing my instruments. So yeah. I, I hope that it, explained all. It, the, the it,
0: great... it, that was a perfect response. I mean, like, really. I mean, I think you you kind of really demonstrated like the not only just the the creative process, but you know how you have to really kind of code switch <laughs> really between all the various different uh, contexts that you're in creatively. What's the like the recording uh, process of like, how do you decide when to gig and then when do we actually try to uh, kind of press our uh, our recordings into either actual, you know, hard medium like, you know, a CD or uh, an album versus putting on uh, a a digital platform? What's what's the decision like uh, to go to, to do that either individually and then collectively as a band? Because I'd imagine it's, it's tricky because those things aren't cheap to kind of uh, invest in. What's, what's that like mm-hmm. to, uh, as, a, as a working musician to, to kind of come up with those um, um, uh, decisions?
1: Um, a lot of that, like, at least in the bands that I've been in that we've done that with, we, we're usually fairly democratic about it. So, and especially now, like, uh, for example, my my one of my newer bands, Goat Valley, we just released a CD that earlier or an album earlier this year. Um, and we were we were debating for a while how we were going to release it because like CDs do feel like a dying medium. Like not that nobody uses them, but it's like one of those that people mostly buy CDs to support a band rather than they're going to actually buy it to listen to it. Yes. Most people nowadays I feel like are either on Spotify or some variant of that streaming. Um, so it's like one of those things where you almost have to have a stake in or at least in the way that we decided you almost have to have a stake in the digital market, no matter what. Um, but like in terms of CDs, like we have CDs, um, specifically so that we have like some physical stuff to uh, sell at shows and stuff. Um, but it's like, like I was saying, it's like one of those things where we're real hesitant to get the CDs. Um, and it it is, it's, one because it is somewhat expensive, but it's a lot cheaper than because uh, the the debate was for a while vinyl versus CD, and we were trying to because we really wanted to just do vinyl on this last release, but it was so much more with the because the vinyl I I think if the figures I'm thinking of aren't wrong, I think it was looking at like seventeen hundred dollars for the vinyl
0: wow. just to
1: get that pressed and sent to us. And the CDs were like 350 and it was like between those two prices, we are like, you know what, we'll get the CDs, we'll start selling those and saving up like because a lot of my bands will take stuff we make at gigs and the stuff we don't split between us we put into a band fund so that we can spend on things like that. Um, and then basically, like when we save up enough money where we can be comfortable with the account still, we'll go ahead and we'll get ourselves the vinyl. And that so that's the process we're like currently in. We're like still, um, we're almost there actually. We're most the way to that seventeen hundred, but we're still working our way up there a little bit. This isn't quite music um, merchandise, but like we actually just teamed up with this dude too. Um, in his name's Willie, and he does these Willie hot sauces. And he's been doing a series where he teams up with various bands, local bands from our area. So he made us like our own customized hot sauce. (laughs) So it's like kind of a cool little funny, like quirky thing we sell now. And it's actually really good because it's a gourmet hot sauce that he makes. Um, It's called. Because the band is called Goat Belly, we call it Ghost Belly because it contains
0: oh, no, not the ghost pepper. Oh no, oh, it's
1: got ghost pepper. Oh, it's good. It's it's better. It's not
0: quite as spicy as it sounds. Okay, good. Um, well, I, I will um I will find this and I will get back to you. Uh, my son and I <laughs> kind of dare each other with hot foods, so and hot hot salsas and uh, stuff so like that. So I will I will we will uh, we'll do that as a dare in honor of you. <laughs> that's no, please, but I think please. that's really interesting, Ryan. What you're saying is like because I mean those are you know. Like, like you know music is great and, but there are the kind of ways of, like we we do need to make sure that we gig and we have to we have music to kind of share in and and put it out there so people can get their hands on it and then there's the merchandise uh element of that as well um and then and then obviously all of that matters too is like the capacity to then you know share that with the various different elements and and platforms of of social media and promotion as well. So like you really do have to spin a lot of plates as a, a, as a musician to to know, to do all those things. So it's fascinating.
1: Uh, And man, like I didn't realize how many plates you're really going to be spinning when I first started trying to do this, because um, it's very close to running like a small business, especially when it's just yourself doing it. Like, I won't say it's like as much of a headache, Cause there are things you don't have to do as a local band that you do have to do as a local business. But sure. um, it's just, there's a lot more like administrative stuff that I never really considered or there's so much on, especially because like I, I if I don't book my own gigs, nobody's going to book them for me. So I have to be constantly on myself to be making sure I'm sending out um, a consistent number of messages or emails or however I'm contacting these venues. Um, so I can make sure that the gigs stay flowing or otherwise, they start drying up in in certain months, like um, like this month, for example. I actually had three more shows at that were initially on, but unfortunately, like we had, like all three of them actually got dropped, like for various reasons. One of them uh, was a a festival. Uh, I don't want to say names of festivals or anything, but like right. they had told us um, that like, we initially thought we had got it confirmed, and then they told us like right before september that they weren't going to be able to go with us after all oh. and, it, and that was it, it, it's like stuff yeah. like that like you yeah. get that kind of stuff yeah. double bookings that sure. happens I, i've literally been at places where i was already setting up my stuff and then another musician rolls up and's like are you supposed to be playing here or am oh. i <laughs> and i'm like well i hope me because i already got most of my stuff set up
0: oh, oh that's gotta be that's that's awkward <laughs> that is awkward. yeah i can yeah. imagine yeah. not great not great oh, it's um, not great it's yeah, go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say it's not great when that happens of course but it's like one of those things where like usually like and none of the musicians that I personally dealt with like have ever had a problem with stuff like that like if he would have gotten there first and was already setting up his stuff I would have walked away and been like okay well I guess this is your gig and I guess I'm just kind of out of luck and that's how my experience has been for the most part when it comes to double bookings like that.
0: I know. I now I, I remember the question I was going to ask before my brain uh, flaked. Before, uh, which is, um, in in live performance, I'm always amazed that the the capacity for humans to remember not only lyrics but just chord sequences and anything like that. I mean, I it took me forever to remember my own phone number, and here you are doing stuff <laughs> for hours at a time. You know, so I have two questions. Like, one is like, is there a trick to like memorizing the way in which you are as a, as a musician or is that it just kind of, is that just kind of a a gift that you have that you have to work with to kind of sharpen your memory? And, uh, and I guess the second question is like, do you still get uh, butterflies before a show? And like, do you get nervous? Like what's, what's the courage like to kind of get up on stage? And, you know, do you still kind of, is it, are are you, I mean, what's, what's that whole uh, mindset like when you take the stage and, and is that there's still nervous energy?
1: Um uh, sure. Like in it really kind of more depends on the shows. Like it actually, like this might even sound funny, but like for me, the shows that get me the most nervous are shows where I have like really close family at uh-huh. <laughs> like and it can be a small show where there's like five people in the audience. But if it's like my mom and my brothers and my dad in the audience, like I feel more nervous than when I'm playing in front of a thousand people. Like <laughs> <laughs> like it's like kind of funny the way that works. Like and sometimes yeah. those shows that like, uh, like, of course you get nervous before some of those like thousand people shows or however many we play in front yeah. of, you know? Uh, but it, it's just one of those things where like, I, I enjoy it enough. Like, I, how do I say that? It's like, I enjoy it enough and it gives me enough of like, I guess an adrenaline rush that like, it's like sure. cool to get into it. You know, like I, uh, no matter how nervous I am when I first start, um, it, it, the nerves subside after a song or two like then it feels like oh i'm into the element and i'm good to go now even if i was really really nervous and a lot of my shows they have me be the mc for uh, the start of it so it'll be a lot of times like when i'm doing invisible cartoons i'll be the guy that's out there going hello everybody how are we all doing tonight and i got to be as excited <laughs> as i can be and I always, I always like doing this thing too. When I get out there, I'll be like, how are we all doing tonight? And no matter how good the response is, I'm like, is that all we got? <laughs> I said, how are we doing tonight? <laughs> I yeah, throw it, one of those out there. Usually it, it always
0: wins. It always, do. it always works. <laughs> <laughs> it, it works at least
1: for the most part. I'm know. sorry. What was the first part of your question? Oh yeah. Here, sorry. I, I,
0: that was my fault. I loaded the question too much. The first question was like, how do you remember all this stuff? Like, I mean, again, just, I mean, you're talking about, you know, not only just chord progressions, but you're singing lyrics. Like it can't be just that it's rote memorization. I mean, like they're like, how does your brain work when you are on stage and you have to kind of not only um, remember the lyrics and remember the music, but you also have to kind of read the type of changes that go in the type of improvisation that happens on stage as well with your bandmates how's your brain work when you're on stage how would you describe it
1: um as far as like the memorization and stuff on stage like um for me like i have a very specific method like i i wish i had more of a gift where like i had photographic memory or whatever um or perfect pitch but it's like one of those things where like I, It's, like, real simple what I do. I just have, like, a a, a certain written method that I literally do where every song that I'm going to be playing – like, I've done this for a lot of stuff. Like, uh, I'll get wedding gigs sometimes where they'll throw, like, 50 songs at me, and they'll be like, okay, I need you to learn all 50 of these. And usually I'll have, like, a month to learn it, but it's still, like, what – I like to do is i'll take it and i'll break that those 50 songs up over like a three-day period okay i need to get through this many songs on this day this many songs on this day this many songs on this day and i i have to actually write down what the progressions are and i do it by ear unless it's really complicated and i having a lot of trouble like it's a lot and the reason why i like to do it by ear is because it makes me really listen hard at it and i have to actually figure out what i'm doing then Um, if it's really complicated, like I said, like I'll, I'll look up a chord progression if I need to, but for the most part, I try to do it all by as much by ear as I can. And then, um, because I'm doing those motions, it helps it sit better in my memory. So it's not like any magic or anything in my opinion. Uh, it's just me like sitting there writing it down. Um, and then when I'm on stage and playing with people, like, uh, a lot of that is, uh, I think um, one of the best ways I heard this was like actually my friend Ryan that I play with frequently when I was younger, he kind of like made a really good point to me about um, when it came to trying to sing and play guitar. Uh, He was basically uh, paraphrasing because I can't remember his exact words. It was something to the degree of, Um, When you're trying to sing while you're playing guitar, you have to know one in one of them well enough that you can't be thinking about it so you can focus on the other. So most people focus on the guitar aspect of it because you can focus on your singing that or how do I say I think I messed up saying that. No, no, Focus no. I, on... I totally
0: got what you. Yeah, yo, no, that made perfect sense the way you explained it. Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Oh, great, great, great. Yeah. So, like, it's just more or less like you have to be able to play the guitar part, like, through muscle memory almost. So, you're not really focusing on that. You're just keeping your rhythm, whereas, you're focusing on your singing voice and vice versa. If you're trying to do the other... like, if you were like a really good singer, I imagine that that's never been my experience because it usually starts guitar for me and then I work up the vocals. But, I'm sure that if you're the you're a very good singer, then it would be mostly you could focus on your strumming than the other way around.
0: But yeah, because I'm I'm always amazed when I watch someone just go back and forth between like just you know jamming on guitar and then still be able uh, to sing brilliantly at the same time. And I I just I'm I'm always trying to understand like how can the brain be working that hard? <laughs> it just doesn't oh, make sense. Man, uh. the
1: the people that get me the most are the drummers, like especially the drummers that can sing. It's just you need so much independence with each limb to like make the drums work there. Like I, I, I'm fortunate enough to be playing with some super talented drummers, and when I watch them, it's just so crazy because their left and right feet are both doing different things while their right hands and left hands are like syncopating on certain beats, and then they're they're singing on top of it, and it's. It's like mind-blowing to me that they can do that. Yeah, it's
0: like, what are, like part octopus or something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it feels that way a lot of times. Yeah. Man, I'm like, I can't believe how accurate you can do all those things. I, I guess it's what you spend your time doing, but uh, like playing guitar or playing bass or like that, that's hard enough, like trying to keep that in time. I'm like trying to imagine trying to add in some, uh, uh, some jigging shoes or something on top of it.
0: Yeah. So Ryan, who are you like, who are some of your kind of, guitar heroes right so like when you're like sit back and like i just want to be in the presence of someone like when i'm listening to someone like this is this is this is something that i really enjoy uh or or has there been some other recent uh kind of uh, guitarists you're like oh they're doing they're doing it pretty well too
1: um they, i got a handful of them right like because i i like guthrie govin a lot he's a dude i go back and listen to quite frequently Django reinhardt is awesome i i he, he's part of the reason why I got into jazz in the first place. I, mm. I really like Django. Um, David Snyder was an awesome guitar player. Um, or, excuse me, I said Snyder, I meant Nudson, David Nudson. For, they're both from Minus the Bear, but. Um, oh uh, god i can't think of another one on the top of my head here like I, I can name like some of like the the standard ones but it's like th- those are probably yeah, like, those more... are the, those
0: are the real gems you know that you'd <laughs> i
1: guess that's... like some b-sides a little bit like where it's like one of those where it's like uh you might have heard like guthrie goblin was in this band called the aristocats or god i always do that the aristocrats i don't ah. know why i always say aristocats man that disney would be really <laughs> got cartoon. Really
0: gotcha you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it must have man like uh, but, like, that band's really cool. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I like some unique guitar players, but I also like the standard ones, like Jimmy Page, Jimmy Hendrix. They're all great. It's just those are the dudes I probably listen to. Um, I couldn't even name the guitar player. But, like, right now, a band I'm really listening to that I really like their guitar work. I don't know the guitar player's name, but uh, he plays in a band called Wilhelm Scream. Mm. Kind of heavier stuff. Like, yeah. kind of going a little bit more back to my roots. But... Uh, it was a band that i found a little bit ago when i used to tour with this counterfeit i band and get like literally probably about a month ago i just like was like oh yeah i have not listened to them in a while and just been popping their albums on lately and just really been into it
0: you know ryan the one the one thing i i forgot to you know we've been talking so much about you as a musician but uh the one thing i, I want to come back to is you as a music teacher uh and your guitar lessons and what you do there uh, I was wondering, like, you know, what what was like? How do you how do you approach your style uh, with the type of student that comes to you to learn guitar?
1: Um, so because like, I get all kinds of students, I try. Like my, I have a very free form approach. Um, in, in in the sense of like, I try to take what they have, or what they if they don't have anything, then I obviously start from scratch. But I try to bring them more towards things that they're interested in. And I guess that's kind of standard for most teachers, but. Mm-hmm it's like one of those things where a lot of teachers like focus real hard on learning musical notes. But like for me, like, it's like, Oh yeah, we can totally do that. But like the things that these are gonna be useful for are specifically if you're trying to get into musical education, like I'm doing, that's a very important thing. Trying to do classical music, you have to be able to read staff. There's just no getting around it. Jazz as well, you, that's real important for you to be able to read some staff there. But um, like, if you're just trying to be a rock musician or you're just trying to play for fun, it's like a lot of those people, they don't really want to learn the notes, like l- l- at least in the standard format, right? So like, I'll take those people and it's like, okay, I teach them the things that i found useful when i was like or things i wish people would have showed me when i was first learning how to play you know so a lot of what i do is it comes down to okay we start off with like basic theory stuff where it's like learning uh i guess i could walk you through a lot (laughs) yeah a day in the life of ryan worthy oh no no,
0: yeah for sure
1: (laughs) so we we basically uh I, i generally start people with like learning um how to first fret everything move chromatically up the neck. And then once they can do that, like we start learning sequences, specifically like major scale sequences. Um, And once you can learn the major scale sequences, I use that to help learn triads um, and build chords. And once we know what builds the foundation of a chord, you kind of move into actually building those chords. I personally subscribe to the caged method If you go online, you'll see a lot of guitar players pooping on the the CAGE method, but Mm -hmm. that is a very powerful tool. Um, And for those of you that don't know, CAGE is literally the five chord shapes that you should know how to play on your instrument. C-A-G-E-D, if you know those five shapes, you just learn how to move them up the neck and you can play a very wide variety of shapes from that.
0: You work with electric guitar, bass, and then ukulele, so you start off with electric guitar and which happened next is what was it easier to then move to mastering the ukulele or the bass like what was what did you what did you find in your uh kind of uh kind of expansion and evolution as a guitarist
1: Um so like for me I get to six string guitar was what I wanted to play the most but the problem was like everybody already had a guitar player for every band that I was ju- cuz you know I was saying earlier like I was trying to join every band like Oh put yeah on right. So, uh, like, everybody already had a guitar player, though, so it was like, okay, well, I guess I'll pick up bass, and and that's kind of how I really started getting into gigging as much as I did. Um, I've just been... That's most of my touring bands have been all, like, me playing bass with them. Um, I've had some really... Really cool experiences, touring. Like I wouldn't give them up for the world, but there's some things I wouldn't do again. <laughs> huh. Slept slept in a car a few times. Wouldn't recommend that part. <laughs> yeah, part
0: of it, yeah, yeah. So speaking of like, uh, like, so you were able to do some touring where you were able to kind of see the country. What were some good memories of that? And who are you? Who are you touring with?
1: Um. So probably the the bands I toured the most with were. Uh, it, it was kind of a weird experimental electro punk band called counterfeit. Eye. that was probably my first real, that was my first real touring band. Um, they were already touring before I joined them. Uh, actually kind of a funny story with that dude too. Um, I, I met him. He was a super nice dude. Um, and like years later, like, cause I played with him for a while. He, he told me like when he first met me, he thought I was going to be really bad at my instrument. I was like why why did you think I was going to be really bad at my instrument he's telling me he's like well you were so nice and I had never met anybody that was nice that was good at their instrument (laughs) and I was like what really he he was just so used to people being so egotistical if they had any amount of uh uh, um uh uh, aptitude for their instrument so he was just like right away he was like oh no this guy's gonna be bad and then when I played well he was like oh never mind this is just an easy situation to deal with. Great. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like, and we did some really cool stuff. We we had some really weird experiences. Um, uh, we had one time where uh, we we went down to St. Louis, and we used to go down to this church that way a lot because they would let us play there. They would let us stay the night if we wanted to. We never did stay the night. But they would let us, and they would also feed us when we came through there. So it was a really nice little stop on a tour. Um, it, it was like kind of in a real shady neighborhood. Like when you went in mm. and like when you went into the town, there was like, it was like in an area where there was like bars on the windows everywhere. Nice. Like every single yeah. house had bars all over their windows. And um, and we were kind of used to it because we'd been there a few times, but this is kind of where the story gets a little bit weird. Like <laughs> like I we went there one time and the, the front door was locked, which was unusual because they usually were like, oh, come on in it's great to see you guys so i went around to the back gate which we had never even been to the backyard before of this place but the back gate was open so i walked in and this was super weird like i walked in and there was like dolls hanging from the tree like parts of dolls
0: like what? it was like
1: this was like out of a horror movie man like i like walked in and i was like guys we're getting is- out of here I I was like walking back there and then the guy that ran it like saw me back there. He's like, what are you doing back here? And I'm like, Oh, uh, the front door was locked. So I came back this way. It's like, Oh, you're not supposed to be back here. Come back in. We'll let you guys in through the front. I'm like, okay, and I was like, that felt super weird. I have no idea what was going on back there, but that was uh, that was a funny story.
0: That uh, that is an amazing <laughs> story. I'm I'm glad you're alive. <laughs> uh, me too. I'm I'm really glad you made it out of there because <laughs> when you come into a uh, back room filled with hanging doll parts, it doesn't work out well for people. That's just been my uh experience that I've learned from watching uh, horror movies all these years. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, that's I like great. This. That's insane. <laughs>
1: I had a another experience with a different this was much later on. Like this was actually probably like four years ago-ish. Like, we went up to Michigan. And after we got done playing there, um, they were like, uh, the bar person that had booked a show with us, um, they were like, Oh, yeah, we got a place for you guys to sleep tonight. And we're like, Great. So they bring us over here and they were telling us it was an abandoned house. Like when we, they didn't tell us this before we got there, but we get there and they tell us it's abandoned, but it's fully furnished. And cool. we're like, well, oh, this is kind of weird, but okay. And like, we're hanging out in the basement. We stayed up pretty late. Like, we didn't even get done playing to probably like one, get over to the house. And like, we were like hanging out. They had like all these like creepy, like dolls in the basement, like rocking horses. And we were kind of like joking about it, but nobody wanted to sleep in the basement. <laughs> I'll say that much. Uh <laughs> But the next day, like, um, it's probably like seven in the morning. We're all sleeping in various bedrooms. They said whatever bedroom we wanted to pass out. in. um, and these people come in and we just hear this guy be like, is someone in my house? Oh no. And like, my drummer my drummer is like one of the nicest dudes in in, uh, Invisible Cartoons his name's Jeff and Jeff like he comes out he's like guys I am so sorry we're with the band last night they told us this was a cool place to sleep in the guy's like wait you're with the band oh that's fine then ma'am. that's cool you guys can go back to sleep if you want you guys want breakfast you guys want breakfast we'll make you guys breakfast and we're like no we're just gonna probably take off now but it was you never know what you're going to run into when you're going out on the road. And that's kind of one of the things I like. I, I was like saying this to my bandmate the other day. It's like there's not many, um, pro, I guess, professions or experiences you have probably other than being like maybe a carny or something where you're like, oh, if anybody has a floor for us to sleep on for the night, we would appreciate it.
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I just I love the idea that like your, your life was hanging in the balance. And then all of a sudden you're no, you're good. <laughs> you, you
1: just never know what's gonna happen so thought, like oh. you meet some really cool nice people i've met some like people that have treated like people that have been so nice treated me so well and i would go back anytime and do a lot of things for and help out any way i could yeah,
0: I, think it, that's, it, I think i think that's just the you know i think that's such got to be such an, an interesting kind of community of people who recognize people who are making music, sharing it and, and, are, and just making art, you know, and I think that's the, the tightness of that community where people recognize each other. And I think it's, that's just so special. Oh, so cool. Ryan, this has been great. I like ending the interview asking my guests for any tips for success that you could give current Wildcats. What would you tell them?
1: Um, First, if you're trying to be successful as a musician, Practice a lot. Um, make sure you're on time. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, mostly, if you can do those two things, like it, it, it's hard to get a musician that does those two things. So if you could just practice a lot and be on time, you will be set for a lot of things.
0: <laughs> it's applicable for everything. <laughs> really, but... Yeah, for musicians. sure, for sure. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> but
1: like, <laughs> if it's just, like that's probably like some of the best advice I get. Like, it's, I know so many musicians that kind of, improvise it in the moment and it sometimes goes well but it, if you're trying to like really be successful in music you don't it, actually I don't even want to say it that way because everybody has their different path in that you know that's so accurate. I don't know <laughs> everybody's got their own way to make it that that was just my personal uh, take on it and that's how it turned out for me I practice right. a lot and I make sure I was always on time to what I was doing and people always appreciated that
0: Ah, that's so great Ryan, this has been an absolute blast and I'm so excited that you gave us uh, your time this evening and uh, uh, we're excited. And I will make sure that uh, all over the episode uh, 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 page that we'll have links to where everyone can find you and your various bands. Uh, and uh, and so we can hopefully uh, uh, show up and, and cheer you on and uh, support your great <laughs> music. I appreciate you, Brian. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for listening. Do us a favor and spread the word about We Go Places by sharing our interviews with other Wildcats. If you want to search past episodes or stay current, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere where you can get your podcasts. Just search We Go Places. You can follow We Go Places on our Facebook page as well, and also Twitter at We Go Places Podcast. And if you know a former Wildcat who would be a great guest, send me a direct message on Facebook, Twitter, or by school email at at b at d ninety four b t u r n b a u g h at d 94org dot